I love when we get wins, when, when the church wins. It always feels good. Does it feel good to win? doesn't necessarily feel good to lose, right? Does it feel good when we're successful? Yeah. How does it feel when you fail? It feels terrible when you fail, right? It's like, ugh, no one likes to, no one likes to fail. No one likes to lose. Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to attain. Everybody wants to accomplish. And we're in a great season right now because we get to celebrate a win. We got, we got the gardens like 99.9% done, right? It's, it's, a, it's a huge win. It's a, it's a huge achievement. Like we achieved something and it was hard. I put in a lot of time. I put in a lot of effort. I was sweating. I was designing. I was building. I did a lot of work on this. When the Aglow ladies yesterday were talking about the name of the venue, so that you need to name it. I'm like, I have a great name for it. How about if we name it the Joshua Kapchinski <laughs> Center for Marriage and Awesomeness? How does that sound, everybody? How does that sound? Can, we, can, we, can I put my name on it since I did all the work? Since I achieved this great thing, for God, of course, but I achieved it, I achieved it, I did this, it's mine, right? I think you can probably see where we're going with this. Hopefully, you can understand my sarcasm at this moment, because clearly, I did not do this within my own power, and this is all, I mean, in the team, it was not even a team effort. It wasn't an administrative leadership, you know, hard driving, get her done type of thing. This was all God, folks. And it is vital and it's an important habit. It's an important spiritual discipline. It's an important part of your discipleship path that we learned how to give God glory and honor for achievements. Achievement is a great thing. Like, like God wants to achieve great things. God wants to, he wants to achieve peace on earth. God wants to achieve salvations. It is his will. It is his heart that all humanity is saved. Every single one of them. That is, that's what God wants to achieve. God wants to achieve the expansion of his kingdom here and now. On earth as it is in heaven. That's what he wants to achieve. We serve an ambitious God. He is ambitious. He wants to get it done. Achievement is a good thing. Amen? But good things, achievement is good, amen? But good things can become bad things if they are ruled things. We just got done with Moses. We got done with the whole concept of what happens when people and when communities fall prey to idol worship. Did you know that a good thing, something as cool and as awesome as achievement, it can become a bad thing if we make it an idol thing? Achievement in and of itself 
If we do it because of our will, of our glory, because we can do it, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, achievement in and of itself can become a very, very dangerous idol. Achievement can even become an addiction. We've got to achieve. We've got to win. We've got to conquer. We have to overcome, right? And the problem is the we, the we, the we, or the I, the I, the I. And if we do not get into the habit of giving God the glory of achievements, then we fall into a toxic, dangerous spiral that, like, again, that idol, the idol of achievement, if, if God is not the center and the source of it, like, it will kill you. It will literally drive you crazy. You will never feel like you're good enough. You will never feel like you've made it. You will always want the more. You will either be extremely uh, uh, materialistic and selfish, or you will be extremely broken and and torn down because you're never going to measure up. So the way that, that we need to view achievement is that if it is not for the glory of God, and if it is for the glory of self, then we need to confess it, ready for this, as sin. So even a good thing could become a bad thing. A good thing could become a sinful thing. You guys okay? I know. It's kind of it's deep, right? A couple of dangers about achievement. Oh, I need to read the scripture. Let's do that. Get your Bibles out. Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 19. Uh, Jesus is dealing with the religious elite. They're highly organized. They got everything figured out. Uh, They're achievement-driven. They're task-oriented. They're all about the rules. They forgot about the relationship. And Jesus gave them this answer because they're like saying, oh, wait, you think you're God? You think that you and God are on equal terms? So Jesus gives them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. Okay, this is Jesus talking. The second member of the Holy Trinity. Jesus himself is saying the son can do nothing by himself. I, I can... I feel like I can do all kinds of things by myself. I'm like good at stuff, right? Well, I'm somewhat, I'm halfway good at stuff. I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades, master at none. I can come in and start modeling your kitchen, but I'm not going to finish it. So, so, I won't be pay attention to the details. Yeah, okay. I can knock some walls down, but uh, drywall, man, we'll put some paint on it. See how it looks. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives, life, gives them life, Even so, the Son gives life to whom those 
he pleases to give. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as the honor as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has he will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. All right. So Jesus, over and over again, he is submitting himself to the Father's will. It is safe to say that Jesus was a successful minister. He was a successful rabbi, the most successful rabbi that's ever lived. And yet, he gives, you got to catch this, even Jesus gives all the glory to God the Father. Now, in in the church context, like, we have to do this. Like, as leadership... Uh, we have to be mindful that, okay, um, we are, we're, we're growing, we're adding, we're building, we're remodeling, yeah? Like, we're, we're, we're active, we stay active. Last week, I talked about the idea that there is a danger that church, in our church, we can fall into if we put more trust and more faith into what a wedding venue could possibly generate, like, it is quite possible if this continues to be a success, we will make more money performing weddings and receptions than we will receive in the offering plate on Sunday. Like, that's like, we're going to run the numbers. Like, it's a possibility. Like, that could easily happen. And so what we are and what I am uh, intentionally passionate about is that we will never become a venue that has a church that meets here. That we will always have a church that also has a venue that, that you can get your kids married in for free if you attend this church, by the way. That's yours. You, you're, that's yours. You have, to pay for the, you have to pay for the food, but you get the place for free. Yeah. And so this is a church. Our primary mode, our primary ambition is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that saves. That's our ambition. I serve an ambitious God. I want to be an ambitious church that preaches the gospel to to save the lost. So we can never allow that beautiful space to become an idol. Right? Let's just say we started a nursery. There are some nurseries in this city where the nursery brings in more money than the offering plate. And the nursery becomes the primary generating business of the facility. And it's almost as if the worship center is just an afterthought. Like people don't, they don't come to, (laughs) it's kind of sad, right? Because the life, it seems, is the life because the success, because of the Achievement is all locked up into the nursery and, and not into the service. Interesting, yeah? On a larger scale, scale, this happens with Christian bookstores. See, there's Christian bookstores that are located inside of churches, and they make more money than the church than some of the offering. The big one um, that 
modern church is struggling with is the whole concept of worship music, of Christian music. There are churches that they've got a couple of great hits, and they've made a music ministry. And the music ministry, like there's so much identity and there's so much success, you know, in a, in a worship album that in a sense, that worship album has become the object of worship. And that worship album is more of an idol and it is giving more glory to the industry or the label than it gives to the Lord. Isn't that like, like we know this, we buy the albums because they're great. There's entire workshops uh, for music people to create the next big hit. Why? Because it makes lots of money. And so we never want to fall into these traps. Now, the worship venue is good. Well, music ministry is good. They are, the achievement in them of themselves are great things. We just need to be aware of the pitfalls that's in a church context, but guess what? It applies to you too, okay? You're like, yeah, I'm glad I don't have your problems, Pastor Josh. <laughs> oh, oh, you do. Oh, you do. You think that we struggle with the traps of, 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 of attainment and success? You think that we struggle with that? Look, if we're struggling with it, you're struggling with it too. And so we're going to look at some of the the possible pitfalls that you might have when you are facing the problem of achievement. Again, achievement is a good thing. It becomes a bad thing when it is a ruled thing. First problem that we might experience is that achievement, it becomes... a cultural force inside of a community, yeah? So when we're obsessed about achieving, achievement uh, becomes uh, a dominant force that is a toxic force. Achievement, um, if, we're not, if we're not mindful of it, uh, it becomes spiritual warfare, all right, in a church context, in a church setting. All right, uh, what areas or what ministries are achieving success, right? And so if we're judging everything about how successful it is, okay, if we're running meetings based on vision casting programs, um, you know, how to be, how to, you know, be strategic, practicing some strategery, Right, if we're applying marketplace principles on top of gospel, I'm not saying it's bad, but if it takes precedent over prayer, then it's a problem. If if planning is more valuable than prayer, it's a problem. Does that make sense? Because, like, again, within my own limited abilities. I can come up with some great ideas. I can come up with some brilliant plans. Uh, I can work the program. But if I'm not in prayer, then it's just all me. It's just all for the glory of God, the glory of myself, not the glory of God. And so 
in a gospel-centered community, we have to be, again, we have to be mindful. It's like, okay, like I, I need to make sure that I am, I am I'm diligent and that I'm faithful and I'm working towards the Lord. I need to make sure that my ambitions are in check, that my ambitions are God's ambitions. And that the primary purpose of, this is leadership talk, of what we do in ministry and what we do is to disciple people. Yeah? The venue was a hard thing. It was a hard, it was a hard thing to do. Blood, sweat, tears, money crying, you know, this all, it was, it was hard. Uh, the remodel of this, it, it was a hard thing to do. It made, you know, you, it pushes you into areas of, of being uncomfortable. Building is hard. Like physical building is hard. Do you want to know what's even harder than that? Building people. It's hard to build people. It's, it, it takes blood, sweat, lots of tears, lots of frustration. Like, people are a mess. People got problems. I don't want to deal with people that have got problems. I want to, deal, I want to hang out with people who got it all together. That's who I would rather minister to. I want to just minister to people that, that, that are easygoing and nice and they got their act together. Like, I, I don't... I don't want to deal with a messy church. I don't want to, I don't want to have a mess. Did you see what I just said? I don't want a mess. Okay? That's the problem in the mindset right there. Because it's not my mess. It's God's mess. You're not my, I'm so free right now because I just came to the realization that you are no longer my problem. <laughs> Right? You are no longer my mess. You are God's mess. You're God's problems. Here you go, God. They're all yours. But God loves his messy people. He does. You got to hang out with them. They are, like some people are harder than others to build. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes an extreme amount of patience. But I believe that you can do it. You have people in your own family that you just don't have patience for. Like, you don't have the emotional bad. Like, they are your problem. Do you have people in your family that are your problem? And then they set you free. They're not your problem anymore. They're God's problem. Surrender them over to the Lord. Put them, release them into God's hands and just see what God can do. And so... We have to be mindful. Okay, achievement is a good thing, but it can't be the driving thing. What's the driving thing? It's the gospel. It's the good news. Achievement also becomes dangerous. This is the second point. I have a whole bunch. There's no way I'm going to get to them. Achievement can also become dangerous when it controls. Okay, hang on. Some of you just need to like hang on to your, like grab your seats like right here. Achievement can become dangerous when it controls our identity. 
Is your identity completely locked up on how successful and what you achieve? Is that what, is that what your identity is all mixed up in? Like, we've got major, major problems with the concept of identity these days in our culture. Like, it's a, it's a cultural disaster, the whole concept of what our identity is in Christ. Identity cannot be locked up on how good you do or how successful you are in what you achieve. If it does, you are, you are in a mode of materialism that is almost impossible to break out of. If everything, if your identity is all piled up on, on how much you can produce or what you have. It is such a, a, such a deep, uh, almost wound because we get that from childhood. And identity in the context of the church means that you are, by default, a child of God. That is your primary identity, and it gets fleshed out not in the workplace, not in what you can produce, not in how much income you bring in. Your identity gets, in an ideal setting, it gets fleshed out in the context of the body of Christ, being in the church community. Isn't that a weird one to think about? Like, it's easy for me to think about it, but when I, when I like, push on you to think about it, yeah, of course, my identity is all, all wrapped up into the church because I'm the pastor, but you're not. So where is your identity? Like, like what are you? Like, are you, uh, are you a CPA? Or are you a, a member of the body of Christ? Are you a grad student? Or are, are you a child of God that's connected to the body? Do you, do you see why we have such identity problems? Because that's the source of identity. Child of God connected to the body of Christ. Not, a, not being a part of a, of a social club or a movement or a political activist group. Like, we're so hungry for for identity and belonging to some group. Like, if you and I, as this, this little group called Granite Creek Community Church, if we could be healthy enough to frame out a community of belonging, could you imagine how powerful that would be? Where they're like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I belong there. I feel like I'm a part. I feel like I connect. I feel like community. I feel like that church is identity for me. What's beautiful about our church is, you know, we got old people, we got young people. We got different races. Rich people? Oh, maybe not. Poor people. Um, and we all share the same identity. Some of us are very, very different. We come from different backgrounds, different expressions of faith, and we all find this common unity here. Like, for me, it's one of the most precious things is that we can be so different and yet have so much in common. Do you know if you ever go on a missions trip with me that we'll meet some, some poor lady from India? We don't share the same language. We don't look the same. We definitely don't dress the same. Like, the food they eat is going to be challenging. You start talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, you've got everything in common. You're all part of the same identity. 
The children of God share the same identity, no matter what cultural expression that we express. No matter, okay, whether you realize it or not, we are in the context of a cultural expression. It's called American Christianity. Like, God can use it. Sometimes it's not good. But this is a cultural expression. And I love it when people come from other countries and other experiences, other modes of worship, and then they can connect with us. They can say, oh, you guys are, you guys are so sweet. Like, I feel I can feel the presence of God here. I feel it. I feel at home here. I feel like I've been here forever. Now that, that, that brings me joy. Okay. So achievement is dangerous when it controls our identity. Now, um, I, I, I want to talk about failure. Have you ever failed at something? <laughs> Have you ever lost? Have you ever didn't quite measure up. Success and failure in the world is pretty straightforward. Why? Because there is a bottom line. Yeah? You guys are in the marketplace. You know. You know how to measure the the difference between success and failure. It's in the bottom line. It's how many sales you've closed. It's, It's how many meetings you made. It's how much revenue you generated. It's if you've hit your benchmarks and your milestones and what you do for a career. Uh, it's if, did you, did you pass your classes? So we have a very clear delineating line between success and failure in the world. Okay, this is what's super frustrating. In the kingdom, it's almost flipped upside down. Like, it, like in the kingdom of God, success and failure, they, they don't make any sense at times. There has been times when I have been, okay, I'm going uh, to, it's for the sake of illustration, okay? Maybe I should use somebody else. I'll use somebody else. There, there has been times when Kim, <laughs> she's just being super awesome. Her prayer life is a 10. Her devotion to God is a 10. Her tithing is 10 plus. Like everything in her life, like she's connected to Jesus. She has this intimate moment with her. Like there's nothing that she could do more to receive God's love. Hmm? She's being faithful and consistent. Yeah? Okay? Do you know that in the context of ministry, she can still fail? In the context of kingdom, she can can still fail. Not, Not because of her own fault. Just because that this is a broken world and that there's things that she can experience. She can experience failure even though it's not her fault. And then, but if I see this as the body of Christ, if I say, oh my gosh, like what a like what a what a loser. Oh my gosh. Like she that's like an epic failure. How how could that possibly happen? And then in my mind, I'm thinking, she must have sin in her life. She must not be walking with the Lord. That's that's, that's what's going on. She must not be, she's not faithful. Now, in the world, that's how we would judge it. We'd we'd automatically make an assumption that there's something wrong, that there is a lack of of character, or there's a lack of input. Now, now, failure in the kingdom is the... only the result of unfaithfulness. 
Success in the kingdom is the result of faithfulness and steadfastness. Like over the years of ministry, like I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like a lot of a lot of blunders. Like I should have quit a long time ago, but I didn't quit. I chose faithfulness. Faithfulness will counteract all your insecurities to perform. All of your insecurities to perform and achieve. You don't need to achieve. You need to be faithful. You don't need to, you don't need to strive super hard to hit that mark. You just need to be faithful to the Lord. The Gospel of John 3 says that they're asked the same, same almost situation that I read earlier. The, the Pharisees are asking, or actually, the, excuse me, the disciples, his own group, is asking, what is the work of God? What do we need to achieve? How do we do this thing, Jesus? You show us what to do, we'll do it. Give us the checklist, give us the boxes to, to click off. What do we have to do to be successful and to achieve? Paraphrasing this. What Jesus does not say, Jesus does not say, well, you have to, you know, you, you have to go to this event, you have to go to this class, you got to make sure you get your Ph.D. in theology. You have to make sure that all of these are in line and that you follow all the rules, and then you will achieve the kingdom of God. Jesus does not say that. He says, the work of God, listen to me, the work of God is simply this, to believe. To believe, to be faithful in that context. If, we are, if you are so guilt-ridden because you feel like you're not working hard enough for God's love, let me again set you free. All you got to do is believe. Quit working hard and just believe. The actions in the heart will bubble up after. It is this one simple thing we have to do. We have to be in God's presence. I have the other temptation with this box is that it's, it's really easy to do church things. It's easy to do church things and events over than just being with God. Why do we do this? Why do we find it so hard just to be in God's presence, just to, just to rest with Him? Why are we so restless? Why do we feel the need just to, to work so hard just to get a little bit of God's love. I, I, it's a mindset. We just need to be in his presence. So in the kingdom, failure is, is relevant, right? You could be doing everything right and still fail. You could be doing everything right and still lose your marriage. You could be doing everything right and still get fired. In the midst of failure, if you will allow him, there is a crucible of healing that God can send you through. He can turn all things to good for those who love him and who are obedient and believe in him. So if you are dealing with failure that seems beyond your control, don't give up, continue to press in. Now, there is a true failure 
a failure of character. This is where we, where we are unfaithful in the expression of being spiritually lazy, in the expression of being selfish, in the expression of, are you ready for this one? Um, not experiencing joy in our labor. That's, un, that's, a, that's unfaithfulness. So you, like, if, you're, if you're leading in church, if you're leading a Bible study, a group, or, or whatever aspect you're leading, like, if you're not doing it from a place of joy, it, you need to take a break. Like, you'll, you will burn out. It needs to come from a place of joy. Likewise, it, you know, God wants to bless whatever you put your hands to it, in your work. He wants, you, he wants to bless your hands. So, if you can, muster up the joy to go to work tomorrow. Muster up that joy. Take joy in what God has blessed you with. Because the truth is, you're there because of him. That is his provision for you. He's the one that brings it in. You don't bring it in, he does. Amen? Okay. How am I doing on time? I got five minutes. In the kingdom of God, success and failure are not measures of results, but are measured by faithfulness. All right, I'll skip that point. It was good, but yeah, whatever. Let me begin to wrap it up with this. I want you to become, the Lord wants you to become disciples. Yeah? You want to be a disciple? The Lord wants you to be a disciple. He does not want us to take the easy route and to become a cultural Christian consumer. Right? He wants us to be a disciple. Not a, not a consumer, not a cultural Christian consumer. There's lots of those. I don't, don't want to bash them, but like, it's easy to do. Like, I've done that. Like, how, how do you know if you're a cultural Christian consumer? Um, you come to church for me to dump some knowledge on you, and you like it. But there's no application. You, um, you jump from teaching to teaching to teaching to teaching to learn, 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 information, data, data, data. Like, I'll, I'll admit, I do this. Like, I go on YouTube deep dives in Christian channels that I spend way too much time on because it, it entertains my brain. I like it. I like new things. I like novel things. I like... You know, like, like wait, that, that scholar thinks that way about this? Let me go down this path. Wait, there's aliens? Oh, my gosh. You know. Now, discipling the mind, educating the mind is vital to the Christian walk. We actually really need to recapture the Christian mind. We need to be able to give an honest and solid defense for our faith. Like, that's, that's vital. We have to do that. Um, but knowledge without wisdom Knowledge 
without being a disciple is completely useless. And so, um, again, I want to encourage you to change your mindset right now and to have the mindset of a disciple. What do disciples do that students don't? They actually do what the discipler does. They do what the teacher does. So let's just be extremely practical. Every sermon I, 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 I give, like, there's practical application. Like there is something for you to be discipled in. But if you come and you don't apply the application, you're just learning. You're not a disciple. So you can, you can be a disciple in this moment with this one idea. It's like, I need to do what the teacher does. Who's our teacher? It's not me, by the way. Who's our teacher? Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is our teacher, amen? He's our rabbi. And if we're disciples, we are going to do what he does. And I, look, I honestly believe that the Lord spoke to me this morning for this. So um, not only are we to, we're to do the things that Jesus does, everybody's heard that before, but maybe what you haven't heard before is that not only are we to do the things that we've done, the scriptures say that we are to have the mind of Christ in that we need to think the way that Jesus thinks. That's what disciples do. So can you change the way that you think today? Can you think the way that Jesus does? That's, that's, that's a practical, practical application. Now, this is what God gave me. You ready for this one? Can you feel the way that Jesus feels? You have the mind of Christ, but do you have the feelings of Christ? Like, this hit me like a ton of bricks. This is an original impression from God. I should write a book. Do you feel the way that Jesus feels? Jesus was a man of sorrows. Does your heart break for the poor? Jesus was a man of joy. Do you get joy when, you're, when you see somebody come to faith, when you see a breakthrough, when you see deliverance? Jesus felt sorrow for those that were lost. He felt joy for, for breakthroughs. He, he, he felt compassion for his friends. The lens that we should read the entire Bible through, the gospel, there's two, the, two of the shortest verses in the entire Bible. One is God is love. Back to the gospel of John. The, one of the shortest verses, the, the second shortest verse in the scriptures. God is love. Do you know that your heavenly Father is love and He loves you unconditionally so much that He can't stand it? God is love. Anything that has love in it comes from the Father. God is love. The second verse, the second, that, this thing, that's one lens. The second lens is this. Jesus wept. He wept for His friend, meaning that the humanity of our God, Jesus, he feels deeply. I think that we get so lost in the static of this world and the pain, the apathy, the routine, the disappointment, the failures. We get lost in all that and we, get, we forget how to feel. God wants us to feel deeply like Jesus does. And that only comes from the Lord. You don't have that. You can't conjure that up on yourself. He will give you a heart for people. He will give you his heart. Your heart for your loved ones, it's okay. I know you love them. 
but God loves them more than you do. And so if you ask for God's heart for those that are driving you crazy, he will give it to you. (laughs) You will know this when you have compassion for people that you didn't have compassion for. Or maybe even understanding for situations that you that that you didn't you couldn't reconcile. All right. I need to wrap her up. Um, if I could get the band to come to the front. I have like notes. Like I could go on forever. Look at this. Like I could just keep on going. I could be here all day. You can be a disciple every Sunday. Discipleship is driven by the direction of the sermon. If you pay attention, you can find the application and you can become more like Jesus. I just, again, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to be a disciple. Every message has an application in it. And your identity. Your identity is the body of Christ and your identity as the body of Christ, as the church, and it should be central. So, what are you, what are you, uh, what are you seeking to build with your life? Like, what do you want to build with your life? Like, what do you want to, what do you want to achieve with your life? Like, so here's the, here's the application. Ask some honest questions. What do you want to build with your life? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to be successful in? So, like you're at, like this is the application. You're asking yourselves those questions right now. Second question is: Does what you want to achieve? Does what you want to build? Can you honestly say that it gives glory to God? Can you honestly say that it gives glory to God? That's your that's your take home. That's a little bit of the homework. The dangers, pitfalls of seeking success, of putting achievement as our God. Like I said earlier, that is a deep, could possibly be a deep spiritual battle. Achievement is a good thing, but it becomes a bad thing if it is a ruling thing, okay? Is, there, is achievement ruling in your heart? I have a, I have a video that I'm going to show you right now, and I'm a sci-fi nerd, so just bear with me. It's, it's from this movie called Dune, all right? But I want to. I want to. I want you to listen. Watch this video. The the leader of the Galactic Empire for us right now in this context, he's representing our father, and his son is you. Let's watch this, and I'll, I'll frame it out in a second. 
burden from your parents who have required you to reach the levels of achievement that you cannot reach. Expectations that have been placed on you that have not been fair. You never had the opportunity for a parent to tell you that you are good enough because you are my son and because you are my daughter. And that may never happen. But what is happening right now is that you have a loving Heavenly Father that is calling you into His counsel not to, not to be busy, not to do the busy deeds, but just to sit by Him and to learn from Him. That's what our Heavenly Father is inviting you into right now. And so, I want to deliver you from the bondage of achievement. That bondage that says, if you don't achieve, then you're not good enough. Some of us have gone down that path where it's achieve, 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 so I can have identity, identity, identity. And God's going to set you free from that. It's going to be hard, but it's going to happen. But it will take time. Others of you, you you're so broken because you're like, ah, there's no way I'm ever going to live up. And so you just completely quit. And God is going to give you a new hope and a new vision. That and I invite Holly to, to pray for a deliverance of this. So during this closing song, I would love to pray for you. Holly is going to lead the ministry time. Uh, if you if you need to have this spirit of achievement broken, of, a, of the spirit of perfection broken, and if you can just if you just want to feel God's love, the love of the Father. Break off that father mode. Today's the day to do that. God is here to love you. Father is here to love you today. Come forward. I'd love to pray for you. Amen. God bless you guys. Bless you and keep you across the space to shine.
And now this pastor, this leader of the nation, his name is Zerubbabel, he was actually born into captivity. He was the son of this guy that led them into all these problems. I don't know, I feel like some of us can relate to that. Some of the struggles that we have are because the people before us didn't do what was right, and they didn't love us the way they should have. But Jesus is really, our Father in Heaven is really saying, that wasn't my model. Come to me and I'm going to make a new, new thing for you. Here's what he says. This is what the Father says to Zerubbabel. Who are you, O great mountain of obstacles? How many of us feel like there's obstacles in our lives that we just can't get past? And they come from, oftentimes, others in our lives that didn't do what was right. This is a good word. He says, before Zerubbabel, who will will rebuild the temple, you'll become a plain, insignificant. And he will bring out the capstone of the new temple with the loud shouts of grace, grace to it. Our words have so much power. We need to start speaking to our mountains, not just submitting to them. And we speak grace, grace. It's not achieve, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of achievement. It's grace, grace. And many of us feel like, I can't seem to get ahead. And God's saying, or my child can't get off. He's thinking on horse. I can't seem to get this job I need or these finances. I just, no matter how far, it just kind of disappears. That's something God wants to break today through his grace, his grace, Father's love. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house and his hands will finish it. What God has started, he will finish in us. But we need grace. So I invite you to come up tonight, today rather, to get the grace that you need. It's not more striving, it's not more achievement, it's grace. It just pours it out. So Holy Spirit, come pour upon us the grace we need. We come out of agreement with achievement, and we know we're your approved children. So give us a greater revelation of that.
with him. 